the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. God appears to Jacob, and what God does here, man, I love this. God appears to him for the second time, and what does God do? God reconfirms Jacob's new name as Israel, and God reconfirms the covenant he made with Jacob previously. And what a comfort that must have been for Jacob after the events of chapter 34. Have God appear to him and reconfirm these things. Does making a definite decision help you feel good? Kind of like, this is how it is and nothing will change my mind? It took an awful situation for Jacob to lead his family, getting rid of everything that shouldn't have been there in the first place. We learn from Pastor Dan today that God was there for Jacob. Can you imagine how discouraged Jacob might have been? He needed to hear reassurance from God and know that his actions didn't change God's promise to him. Folks, Jesus is faithful. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Genesis chapter 35 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. Jesus, when he died on that tree, on that cross, he took our sin, he bore our sin, and died on the cross to take away our sins. And after he was crucified, he was buried. Our sins were buried with Christ in the ground, never to be seen again, completely removed. So you have a picture of that here with Jacob burying the idols. Verse 5 says, And they journeyed. So now they start their journey from Shechem. They're heading to Bethel, heading south. It's roughly a 25-mile trip. And they journeyed, and the terror of God was upon the cities that were all around them, and they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. God put fear into the inhabitants of Canaan. The people knew, the people of Canaan knew what happened at Shechem. They knew that, hey, two Israelite men wiped out all the men in a whole city. What could 12 Israelite men do? Uh, so they don't pursue Jacob in his, as he travels to Bethel. Nobody wants to mess with him. So Jacob came to Luz, that is Bethel, which is in the land of Canaan. And he, and I love this, and all the people who were with him at the end of verse 6. Now, if you remember when Jacob left Bethel 20, 30 years before, all he had was his shepherd's staff. And he was alone. And now... God has been faithful to his promises to Jacob. And now Jacob returns with all these people and all the animals and livestock and everything. God God has blessed him exceedingly abundantly above all that Jacob could have ever thought or imagined. Coming back 20 or 30 years later. Gets there, he built an altar, verse 7. And notice, he called the place El Bethel because there God appeared to him 
when he fled from the face of his brother. He calls the place El Bethel. Now, Bethel means the house of God. El Bethel means the God of the house of God. We see that Jacob is maturing spiritually. He's growing in the Lord. After 20 or 30 years of life and walking with the Lord, Jacob now understands that it's not about the house of God. It is about the God of the house. That's what it's about. And that comes through life experience as you grow in the Lord. That, you know, I read the Bible every day, not just for the Bible, but to meet with the God of the Bible. Right? We pray, not because Christians are supposed to pray, but so that we can talk to the God of the universe who saved us and redeemed us. Right? We come to church, or we're in a home group, or we're in a small group, or we're in fellowship. We seek it out, not because that's just what we're supposed to do, but because wherever two or three are gathered in the name of Jesus, he's there in the midst, so we do it to meet with Jesus. These things are all just a vehicle for us to meet with God, to be with him. And the important thing to understand is when you realize that, that I go to church because there I can meet with the Lord. And I read my Bible because I can meet with and hear from the Lord as I read my Bible. Or I pray to talk to God who saved me. When you realize that, that it's really about meeting with the Lord and those things are just a means to an end, those things will never get old for you. They'll never grow stale. You hear people sometimes you know, say things like, well, I... I try this reading the Bible thing in a year and made it about three weeks and just I couldn't get into it. Or you know, church, eh, maybe, maybe, whatever. Right? If, if, you, if you are there to meet with the Lord, it's, it never gets old. It never gets stale. And for Jacob now, he, he realizes it's about the God of the house, not the house of God. So now verse 11, God speaks to Jacob. Or I'm sorry, verse 10. Verse 8. So now Deborah, Rebekah's nurse, died, and she was buried below Bethel under the terebinth tree. So the name of it was called Alan Bakuth, the terebinth of weeping. What we see now happening in chapter 35, there's a transition taking place. Previous generations passing off the scene. It's passing from Isaac to Jacob now. Verse 9, then God appeared to Jacob again when he came from Padanaram and blessed him. So God appears to Jacob now for the second time at Bethel. And, and this is the second person of the Godhead. This is Jesus Christ. This is what is called a Christophany. God appears to Jacob. And what God does here, man, I love this. God appears to him for the second time. And what does God do? God reconfirms Jacob's new name as Israel. And God reconfirms the covenant he made with Jacob previously. And what a comfort that must have been for Jacob after the events of chapter 34. To have God appear to him and reconfirm these things to Jacob. And how thoughtful it is of God to repeat these things to Jacob. After chapter 34. And to say to Jacob essentially. Our relationship hasn't changed. 
My promises to you haven't changed because of what happened in chapter 34. In case you're wondering. In case you're doubting. Nothing's changed. God is such a good shepherd to his sheep. And he knows what we need. He knows when we need reassurance. He knows that we can doubt and wonder and beat ourselves up for blowing it. And so he just reconfirms here these promises and reassures Jacob. You know, Romans chapter 11, verse 29, it says, for the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. You know what that means? It means God doesn't change his mind about you. He doesn't change his mind about you when you fail. He doesn't revoke his promises to you because you blow it. He doesn't cancel you when you mess up. Instead, he comes along and he he reaffirms and he reassures his promises to us. This is why Jesus tells us to take communion. So one thing he asks us to do in remembrance of him. Is to remember his death on the cross. For us to rescue us and to redeem us. And he wants us to do that often. And that in communion reassures us of God's love for us. Even though we fail and fall short time and time again, we can come back to the table and take the bread and the cup and we're reminded that he's never going to leave us. He's never going to forsake us. He doesn't turn his back on us. And so verse 10, the Lord now speaks to Jacob and reaffirms these things that he's already stated to Jacob previously. In verse 10, God said to him, your name is Jacob. Your name shall not be called Jacob anymore, but Israel shall be your name. So he called his name Israel. Remember, Israel means God rules, as in God rules over Jacob. And after chapter 34, Jacob might be thinking, I don't know if God rules over me. And so God now says, no, you're still Israel. (laughs) Even though we just came through chapter 34, you're still Israel. It's still your name. It's still true. Also, God said to him, I am God Almighty, El Shaddai. Be fruitful and multiply. Now, Jacob at this point has 11 sons and a daughter. (laughs) And God says to him, be fruitful and multiply. And Jacob's probably thinking, I've been fruitful and multiplying. You know, I've got 12 kids and counting, you know. This is really a command for Jacob's sons. So be fruitful and multiply. He says, a nation and a company of nations shall proceed from you and kings shall come from your body. Remember all these promises I've made to you, Jacob? They haven't changed. A nation will come from you. That would be the nation of Israel. The company of nations that are referred to here, that would be the 12 tribes of Israel. All the kings of Israel descended from Jacob, including King David and including the king of kings, Jesus Christ. Then he recommits his promise of the land. Verse 12, the land which I gave Abraham and Isaac, I give to you and to your descendants after you. I give this land. That would be the Jewish people. Then, verse 13, God went up from him. God ascended in the place where he talked 
with him. So Jacob set up a pillar in the place where he talked with him, a pillar of stone. And he poured a drink offering on it, and he poured oil on it. Verse 15, and Jacob called the name of the place where God spoke to him, Bethel. So Jacob sets up a pillar here. If you remember, Jacob set up a pillar the first time he was at Bethel, and God met with him and made all these promises to him, and he made a commitment to God. And now, 20, 30 years later, he comes back. Just as God said, God would bring him back. God's brought him back. And Jacob sets up a second pillar. Maybe right next to that first pillar. And so now he's got these two pillars there. One representing the promises that God made to him 30 years ago. And he's got this second pillar there. Promises kept. Promises fulfilled. God kept his word to me. So he's got these two pillars and he pours out a drink offering. A drink offering, pouring out a drink offering speaks of pouring out yourself to the Lord. He's recommitting himself to the Lord here. Recommitting his life. The drink offering is ultimately fulfilled in Jesus Christ who poured out his life for us. Poured out his blood for us on the cross. We'll return to today's edition of Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton in a moment. But first, Pastor Dan would like to extend a special invitation to our listeners. If you've enjoyed the messages on Ring of Truth, I'd like to personally invite you to join us this Sunday at Calvary Chapel. We're located in Columbia, Maryland, just five minutes from Routes 29, 95, and 100. I'd love for you to come be part of our time of worship and Bible study this weekend at 9 or 11 a.m., I always enjoy meeting listeners of Ring of Truth, so please be sure to introduce yourself to me after church. To find out more information and to get directions, visit our website at calvaryec.com. Thanks, Pastor Dan. That website again is calvaryec.com. We look forward to seeing you. Now, back to today's message. The oil speaks of the Holy Spirit and the scriptures and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So verse 16 then they journeyed from Bethel, and when there was but a little distance to go to Ephrath, Rachel labored in childbirth. She goes into labor just as they're on the road there, just along the side of the highway, and she had hard labor. And now it came to pass, verse 17, when she was in hard labor, that the midwife said to her, Do not fear, you will have this son also. And so it was, as her soul was departing, for she died, that she called his name Benoni. But his father called him Benjamin. Benjamin is the only son born to Jacob that was born in the promised land. The other 11 sons, they're born in Haran. And we see a picture of Jesus Christ in the birth of Benjamin. You might be thinking, well, how, how so? Well, Benjamin brought sorrow to his mother, but he was the son of the right hand of his father. That's what Benjamin means, the son of my right hand. So he brought sorrow to his mother, And he brought joy to his father. He was the son of the right hand of his father. Luke 2.35 tells us that Mary's heart was pierced when she saw her son on the cross. The death of Jesus Christ brought sorrow to his mother, Mary. And we're also told that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the father. Benjamin means the son of my right hand. So we see Christ in this. So Rachel died and was buried on the way to Ephrath, that is Bethlehem. And Jacob set up a pillar 
on her grave, which is the pillar of Rachel's grave to this day. So remember, Moses is the one who's penning the book of Genesis. So that pillar is still there in Moses's day. Samuel the prophet mentions Rachel's grave in 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 2. So that pillar is still there in Samuel's day. Jeremiah mentions Rachel's grave in Jeremiah 31. So that grave was still there in Jeremiah's day. The people of uh, children of Israel as they're carried away into captivity in Babylon. They pass by Rachel's grave on their way into captivity. And we're told here that her grave is at Ephrath, that is Bethlehem. Now this is not, give me your attention, this is not the Bethlehem where Jesus was born. Uh, There were three Bethlehems in ancient Israel. There's one up in the Galilee, there's one down in Judah where Jesus was born. There's a Bethlehem in the territory of Benjamin. And this is the Bethlehem uh, that was in the territory of of Benjamin, not the Bethlehem that is in Judah. This territory is later given to Benjamin, the tribe of Benjamin, when they're dividing up the land, because Rachel died there giving birth to Benjamin. So they give that region to the tribe of Benjamin. Again, 1 Samuel 10.2 tells us and makes it clear that Rachel's tomb is in the territory of Benjamin, not in Judah. Now, why am I telling you that? I'm telling you that because there is a site near the city of Bethlehem in Judah that is known as Rachel's tomb. It's the wrong place. It's not in the right location. Now, here's the crazy thing. It has been named a World Heritage Site by the United Nations. And not only that, it's actually in Palestinian territory. And so it is, uh, over the years, there have been terrorist attacks against that Rachel's tomb. So the Israeli government, back in 1997, they built a huge concrete wall around Rachel's tomb. I mean, huge, like 20 feet high, 20 foot high walls with barbed wire and guard towers on the walls. They've got armed guards there now. Soldiers positioned there. And and to go there, you actually have to uh, catch a bus. You can catch a bus in Jerusalem. Many Jewish people go there. It's a holy site for Jewish people, especially Jewish women who are trying to conceive or are pregnant. They go there to pray at Rachel's tomb in Bethlehem of Judah. You can get a bus in Jerusalem. It's a bulletproof bus. You get an armed escort into this town to Rachel's tomb. It's not the right place. It's not the right place. The Bible clearly says, 1 Samuel 10:2, that Rachel is born in the territory or buried in the territory of Benjamin, not Judah. That's not Rachel's tomb. And the ironic thing is there, there actually is a location in the territory of Benjamin that archaeologists believe is possibly Rachel's tomb. Nobody goes there. It's like out in a vacant lot. Most people don't even know it's there. Which I, you know, It just shows us the importance of reading the Bible carefully. 
It's important to rightly divide the word of truth and not allow tradition to usurp what the scripture says. <laughs> I'm like on a crusade now to get it changed, right? to get the right place, you know. Save the whales and save Rachel's tomb. So after she dies, she's buried there. He puts a pillar there, marks the grave. Verse 21, then Israel journeyed and pitched his tent beyond the tower of Eder. And it happened, verse 22, that when Israel dwelt in the land, that Reuben went in and lay with Bilhah, his father's concubine, and Israel heard about it. Now this detail is given to us because this is what disqualifies Reuben. And this is why Reuben loses the birthright. As we see in chapter 49, we talked about that. So Reuben is disqualified by this. It costs him the birthright. We saw that Simeon and Levi were disqualified, and so the birthright passes to Judah. It's from Judah that Jesus Christ comes. And then we're given the sons of Jacob are mentioned in verses 23, 24, 25. And it says in verse 26 as well, and then we skip down to verse 27. And then Jacob came to his father Isaac at Mamre, or Kirjath Arba, that is Hebron, where Abraham and Isaac had dwelt. And this seems to be the first time that they've met with each other after 30 years. He sees his father again. And he's able, actually, to spend 12 years with his father before his father passes away. But his father never gets to meet Rachel, Rachel dies before he's reunited with his father. Now the days of Isaac were 180 years, and so Isaac breathed his last and died. It also means that Isaac lived long enough to see Joseph sold into captivity. Remember his brothers hatched that plan, we'll get to that in a few chapters. And they make it appear that Joseph was killed by a wild animal. Isaac, his grandfather, lives during that time and and sees that. But is not alive when it's discovered that Joseph is still alive uh, in Egypt. So Isaac breathed his last and died and was gathered to his people, being old and full of days. And his sons Esau and Jacob buried him. And so Esau and Jacob come together. This one time for the last time to bury their father. If God's calling you to return to Bethel, if you've drifted away, you've wandered off, especially over the last year, if you've kind of cooled off in your relationship with the Lord in some way, and Jesus isn't the priority that he once was, and he's not the priority that he should be, God calls you to come back. Come back to Bethel, return. And I want to encourage you to do that today. Recommit your life to Christ if you've drifted away from him. And Lord, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for this chapter. And we thank you for your grace, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that no matter how far away we wander from you or drift away or get it wrong, Lord, you, you, you invite us back. Lord, we thank you that you don't ask us to go through some big thing to come back, but just to come back and resume a life of worship and pick up where we dropped. Lord, we 
thank you for that. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. He asked me how I know, and I say, brings truer than the finest crystal. Thanks for tuning in to today's edition of Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Pastor Dan has been teaching through the book of Genesis, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, and we encourage you to keep reading on your own. As you go through Genesis, it's important to not lose sight of the bigger picture of God's plan. You get some valuable insights into God's character through this book and how he interacts and intercedes with those he's created. Would you like to listen to more teachings from this series or explore other message series from God's Word? If so, visit our website, calvaryec.com. You can also subscribe to the Ring of Truth podcast. It's a great way to keep connected to the teaching of Scripture. We'll notify you every time we upload a new episode. You'll find a link to subscribe to our podcast at our website, calvaryec.com, or just search for Ring of Truth in iTunes. We also want to encourage you to find a church home that will help guide and support you in your walk with the Lord. It's important to spend time in fellowship with other believers. The body of Christ functions best together after all. If you're ever in or near the Columbia, Maryland area, we'd love to have you join us at Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. Visit calvaryec.com to find directions and get more information about joining us at Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. That's all we have time for today. Tune in next time to continue this study in Genesis right here on Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize the hands that crack. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.